0: Welcome to the Pest Posse Stampede Podcast. Your hosts are Cully Christensen, the visionary and creator, and Foster Brusca, the head wrangler who keeps Cully in check, and the Pest Posse rolling on track. The Pest Posse is your trusted resource for training and information that the pest management professional needs to grow their skills and knowledge in the professional pest control industry.
1: The Pest Posse is in the house. That's right. I'm Foster, head wrangler here at this Pest Posse, whatever shenanigans we got going on. And you are over there. Who are hey, you? I'm
2: Visionary and Creator here at the Pest Posse. And Foster's having a Monday morning. <laughs> uh, I'm having the case of the Mondays.
1: <laughs> oh, it's all good. So I have everything down in uh, Pismo Dice there. Pismo Dice is
2: fantastic. It's going to be 85 degrees. It's already completely clear, and it's out oh, later in the morning. But it's it was clear earlier. Um, so yeah, how can you complain when you live here? It's yeah.
1: fantastic. No no uh, complaints whatsoever. How's
2: lovely San Jose? Uh,
1: Overcrowded. San Jose. Metropolis. It's San Jose. You know. Mm. Do you know the way to San Jose? <laughs> Uh, it's just yeah, the same old, same old. Nothing different, you know. Everybody's right? working outside these days. All the salons are working outside, restaurants.
2: Right. Oh yeah, I saw that. I was driving by someplace, and all the all the barbers were set up out on the sidewalk and yep. parking lot, trying to keep business going. I, yep. I actually, I think it's really it's cool that they're doing that. Um, I mean, whatever your thought process is, I'm just glad they're still working yeah oh opinion. no it's good i'm glad they're still working it's yeah. interesting to see the creativity of the restaurants you know taking over parts of their parking lot or yep you know, whatever they are doing to, to keep business going exactly um you know i mostly just eat out or take out you know yeah take out when i go when i go out otherwise yeah. you know, most of my meals are at home but uh i go out once or twice a week and it's typically always take out even though it's outside dining yeah people here don't take uh, social distancing and things like that very
1: seriously oh no that's not good you
2: know i'm not real worried about getting covid um i doubt i'm gonna be one of those people that you know gets it serious but you know i'm like why take the chance
1: <laughs> yeah exactly yeah why why hang around those people don't need to be doing that just get the food go home You got, you got a nicer dining area outside anyways. Right.
2: Yeah, exactly. I had some guys over a couple weeks ago and um, we were just outside, ate dinner, you know, barbecued. Um, I smoked some ribs and uh, we had a good time Nice. and uh, it was nice, you know, no big deal, but we got to get some social interaction. It was just something I'm been desperately craving. (laughs) It's craving it like, ah, I need it. I need it. I love to be around people. That's just my personality. Yeah. That's, that's,
1: Don't blame my, you.
2: My wife and I went out and went on a hike yesterday, a little um, lake right down by the beach. Oh, nice. And it was kind of cool. You know, they, they've got the little signs up and the different animals and stuff. Yeah. One of them was a sign with uh, muskrats and beaver. Oh, my, my gosh! Well, beavers I going
1: maybe see, but yeah. right?
2: I was like, oh, I would like to see some muskrats swimming around. So we get around to the back side of the lake and there's these big branches on the path. Sure enough, it was beavers chewing on it. Oh, now, we God. didn't see the beavers, yeah. but we could actually tell um that beavers had chewed those branches off and I was, oh, like,
1: that's, crazy. that's crazy.
2: yeah, that's pretty wild. So, um yeah it was uh, it was kind of a cool hike we saw some other stuff some cormorants i would never seen cormorants live before big yeah, black nice. bird I don't yeah there were those um and uh you know a few other things nothing too fancy but yeah uh, nice. nice so it's nice living around here and taking advantage of some of that oh yeah
1: no, that is nice. You got a nice area. It's really area
2: sad, though. All the ATV shops are closed.
1: Oh yeah, no. Well, of course, nobody's the, any of that stuff. The dunes
2: are closed. They won't yeah. let you. Off. I mean, you could walk out there, but you can't drive out there right now.
1: No, yeah, no. All that stuff's closed. All this stuff closed. to me makes no sense. No, it makes no sense. There's, there's a few I things mean, with all this that doesn't make any how sense. How do you not social distance in your own car on the dunes? <laughs> I have no idea. I have no idea. It's whatever. Uh, yeah, and the
2: governor sense. will never see eye to eye on a lot of things. Obviously.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: Oh. That's okay.
1: That is that is okay. I don't oh, want man. his job either way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. oh. Shit. So what do we got going on in this podcast today? We got we got something. We have up a here. great great um, episode
2: today. Yep. Today we have Sissy Spreggins from Rockwell Labs to discuss the era of label restrictions. This is really good talk we had with her oh, yeah. it was on our YouTube live episode in the beginning of August. And um, it's so good that we just felt we had to put it on the podcast as well. Yep, exactly. I think you could get a lot of good information off of this and yep. share this with
1: your staff um, and help them out as well exactly exactly so cool well let's uh without any further ado and banter here let's just uh jump into this podcast here with Sissy. hello sissy how are you doing today i'm doing great how are you guys i'm doing good we're doing really good really appreciate you being here for us today to to talk about uh pest control in the in the era of label restrictions i think this can be some great information so Yeah. So, you know, uh, Sissy, why don't you just quickly introduce yourself for people that aren't familiar who you are and everything you're about.
0: Okay. I'm well, I'm Sissy Spragans. I'm (laughs) I'm, uh, I I started Rockwell uh, Labs, uh, I guess, 20, about 21 years ago at this point. Um, So we're officially legal now we can drink and everything. Um, uh... (laughs) That's what I'm talking about. You're up! You're yeah. legal! No, right. <laughs> um, yeah, so you can use our products in all 50 states. Um, okay. We uh, we I, I started the company with the intent to create the future of pest control, and really our focus has been IPM uh, products, and IPM obviously encompasses green products, so over time yeah. we've kind of become known for uh, green products, although not every product we have is specifically green. Um, but everything is is uh, oriented towards IPM. Obviously, IPM encompasses a lot of things, but that's really our guiding principle: is integrated pest management. Um, so we basically developed, as uh, as you guys were saying, probably fifty some odd products um, mm-hmm. that we've been selling to the professional market uh, since uh, we launched or first start, started selling our first product in two thousand. So um, it's been a it's been a good ride. Excellent, excellent. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah
1: you've got so, some you've got some phenomenal-
0: early days
2: when you would come out to san jose for uh <laughs> the customer appreciation parties that um one of the local vendors would put on yes yes that was when i got to meet you for the first time
0: yep yeah i remember that yeah so yeah. Let's get into the topic
2: um what are the major classes of products that are affected by label restrictions?
0: Well, there's really nothing more exciting than talking about label restrictions early in the morning. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's why <laughs> I'm <in> my coffee. <laughs> That's right. Um, so the, the two main classes, you know, that have had some significant restrictions put on them uh, that are widely used are, of course, pyrethroids and neonicotinoids, and those are, really the two most widely used classes of of chemistry you know for pest control unfortunately um so there have been significant use restrictions uh, put on those products in the, in the last several years so that that's curtailed a lot of uh of practices that used to be used to be legal that aren't anymore
1: yeah yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely so so what what really drives the restrictions <laughs> on the pyrethroids
0: um it's really all about water um there have been allegedly traces of pyrethroids found in groundwater and i think a lot of that came from california Um, california frequently leads a lot of these uh these types of of issues and basically over you know years of using pyrethroids they're apparently are, and they don't necessarily break down in the environment, you know, that quickly. They can so-called bioaccumulate, which means they build up, you know, in uh, in water and soil and what over time and don't break down right away. So there's basically the concern that drove these label restrictions was about that water buildup. And they didn't focus on agriculture, which, you know, uses actually, you know, from an Tonnage basis, way more pyrethroids than structural pest control. Um, they they chose to focus on structural pest control because the they felt like application to so-called impervious surfaces like asphalt or concrete, basically hard surfaces that don't um, absorb the liquid. You know, when you spray it on or whatever that that cause runoff, you know, going into uh, storm sewers and, you know, potentially waterways and things like that. So that was, uh, that's why they basically chose to, to really focus on structural pest control use for these restrictions because they felt like, even though that was a lower volume of use compared to agriculture, agriculture they felt being applied, you know, in fields wasn't, uh, you know, kind of running off as much. Um,
2: yeah, which is hilarious because the field, a lot of the fields in California are really close to um, the delta.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: yep.
2: But um, also, I think you know, and I'm not complaining. I mean, California's got a lot of agriculture, um, but also they get, they're going to have more money. Yeah, than, than we do uh, as a yeah, whole The
0: farm country. lobby is stronger than <laughs>
2: than <Right>. we. Absolutely. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Um, another concern in California is again it's water, but it's even the waterways, like you were saying, so the um, runoff down the storm drains and then into the creeks and the rivers, um, and they're also worried about the I can't remember the name, but the little crustaceans that yeah. live in those rivers. Um, I, we could get into a lot of that testing. I I I'm not I I don't believe the testing's as scientific as it should be, um, but. Um, that's just my personal, you know thing. Uh, I'd like to see him do a little bit better job uh, on on that. Um, but that's another issue. Um,
0: yeah, yeah it, it's interesting because the restrictions have been in place for a few years now, and I don't know if they've seen any change. Um, i I haven't personally examined the data that drove those uh, those decisions. I know in in my former life, uh, when I worked for Bell Laboratories, I was involved a lot in the, uh, when they were trying, you know, starting to restrict second-generation anticoagulants, and I know that when we examined that data, it was pretty, not very good, (laughs) basically, (laughs) I mean, it was very, it was not particularly, uh, it did not really support the, uh, the actions, uh, if you looked at it from a right. toxicology point of view. But on, yeah. the, on the pyrethroids, I don't, uh, I have not personally looked at their, their data, um, you know, at that level. Right. I don't know about
2: the actual data. My, my concern is with the method. Yeah. Um, and so, um, you know, again, we could spend a bunch of time on that but that's not the actual yeah. topic
0: it is what it is at this point exactly
1: exactly exactly yeah yeah and you know we just just real quick you know i probably can't answer this but we've got a lot of people here that are they're that commenting we just kind of this is uh-huh. great we've got a lot of this we got a lot of comments going on right yeah. now trying to, trying to keep up with it you know damien um erwin we probably really can't answer this but you know you know how much of the runoff is, is due to homeowners, you know, doing their own pest control? I mean, I think, we, I think we've all kind of had that question, you know?
2: So i I just like to hit on that real quick. I honestly, Damien, I don't think it really matters. Uh, and the reason I say that is because there's a lot of us out there. I run into a number of companies who are still using pyrethroids for their regular product, you know, for their maintenance treatments, uh, because it's cheap. You know yeah. you buy a gallon of of pyrethroid concentrate for 40 or 50 bucks i think i mean exactly um, but the guys aren't out there following the restrictions they're just spraying the whole yard like they've yeah, always done. They, yeah they don't care yeah I, i've worked with companies who are doing it and i'm trying to coach them to you know really work on that and the best way i for me i just you know i don't i don't have pyrethroids on my truck you know i've got one and i really only use it for um my watch baiting program and um but it is my backup since i do predominantly green services i have a very good quality pyrethroid for you know one particular issue that might need to be controlled but you know in how long have i been running two and a half years foster
1: yeah about two and a half um, years been running your own thing so yeah two
2: years of june um, and I've never had to use a pyrethroid to fix the problem.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. It's it's good.
2: that's <laughs> uh, the biggest issue is that we still got companies out there who aren't training their techs right and, and yep. their techs are not doing the services according to the pyrethroid rules. I'm sure there's lots of them who are, yeah. um, there's still a number and until we can do it right. It's really kind of irrelevant what the homeowner's doing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So cool. Yeah. So just real quick before we move on. Yeah, we got a lot. We got a lot of comments, a lot of people coming in here and stuff. So um, we actually have. uh, uh, Let's see. This is well. we got. We got Cody here from uh, from Ohio. He's a brand new. He said he's brand new viewer here. Welcome, Cody. Certainly do appreciate that. He's been a PMP for six years. So really enjoy the content. So this is going to blow you guys away. SB fumigation says hello, all the way <laughs> to Nigeria. So wow, Nigeria in the house. We certainly do appreciate that. That's. uh, well, we have Cameron Sheedy he Looks like he's from Canada. Yeah,
2: exactly. Anybody? Oh no, they don't say mate. They say a. A. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right.
1: Oh shoot! So yeah, exactly, exactly. So cool. So yeah, we just got a lot of comments. Just keep. Keep bringing them on, people. Here, we'll we'll keep asking them. We certainly well, appreciate everybody's on. Let, let me
2: let me touch on SB fumigations. They're they're what are the, we think is the best uh, pyrethroid. Well, that's really difficult to question. There's yep. lots of really good pyrethroids out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that one of the best is um, lambda cyhalothrin. That's the active, and Sisti has that active. Yes. Yes, right? we do, absolutely. are absolutely amazing star. active, yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, that actually is one of my favorites. Uh, it's not the one I have on my truck, but only because, um, well, you'd have to correct me if I'm wrong, Sissy, but I don't believe it has wasp baiting on the label. And that would be the only reason it's not on my truck, because I use it for that exclusively.
0: Yeah, label. it does not have wasp baiting on so, the label. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of a California thing. Um, Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Good old California.
1: That's
2: right. You want to talk restrictions? (laughs) Yeah. Pretty much got everybody beat.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, we do. Oh, shit. Okay. So let's get back on topic here, Cully, as he's drinking some coffee.
2: So, what are some of the, um, I would say, um, wait, where are we? <laughs> what are the restrictions on
0: pyrethroids? That's the one we wanted to talk about next. Well, they, they basically cover several areas and they're, it's all driven by, by water. So um, you can't just go spray the whole side of a house anymore. Um, like, you know, had been common practice for certain types of pests, like um, occasional invaders in the Midwest. You know, you might have the whole side of the house covered with lady beetles or stink bugs or. Or something uh, box elder bugs those kind of right. things. Um, so you you can't do our cluster flies. You can't do that uh, anymore, basically, because they're concerned that when you spray the side of a house, which is so called impervious, it's not you know it doesn't absorb like it does in the ground. It's going to run off. Um, so so basically, there's there's more restrictions in California than there is um, with the, with federal EPA um So California has additional restrictions, but generally, if you look at this picture, you can see the approved treatment zones. This is federally again. California yeah. is restrictive than this. It,
2: yes, I was going to say that looks like a blessing. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, can't do that in California. That's right. <laughs> That's what I usually treat, except for yeah. the whole lawn. I don't treat the whole lawn, but
0: I would yeah. treat
2: the edges. But yeah. yeah.
0: Now this doesn't. This doesn't mean where someone would always treat. This is basically yeah. just where you could, in principle, treat right. on on this property. So the things to look at are the fact that you can only go up three feet up the foundation, and I think in California that's two feet, um, and you basically can only do the pinstream applications on the surface. Um, can treat under the eaves. That was something they, you know, they they actually it was worse when it first came out, and then NPMA kind of explained reality to them a little right. bit, you know, with regard to things like spiders, you know, on eaves and things like that. So they yeah. basically oh. will treat the yeah. un- how is un- the rain
2: gonna wash off what's under the eave?
0: Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, that, that that's that's it as well. Exactly. Um, and then the other thing is the water setback that you see in that that yeah. diagram that you know you have to you can't go right up to the edge of water you've got to be set back and i think in california the setback is in fact larger than that i think it's 25 feet in california i think it's 50 is it 50 okay whatever it's a lot a lot of feet um but uh, yeah. and yeah. then um, and then also the like you can't spray on the you see the sidewalk there that would be an impervious surface if this house yeah. had a driveway you that'd be the same situation um, so you, you can't spray those uh, those concrete surfaces, which for a house isn't that big of a deal, but when you get into an urban environment, it causes more problems. Now, again, in California, I think you can't spray right up to the edge of a sidewalk. You have to stay two feet away from a sidewalk, um, if, if I'm correct on California regulations. Um, and then also in California, I don't think you can even if you wanted to spray the whole yard, I think if you're doing a perimeter treatment, you can only spray like a band like three feet out or something like that. Maybe you guys probably know that better than I do for California.
2: Yeah. Um, well, yeah, and then on the lawn, you have to stay three feet on the concrete. You can't do the pin stream along the edge. Yeah. But, um, it's kind of yeah. weird only like if you're doing fleas and you can yeah. you can't go three, you got that three foot band, you can't put anything in. It's yeah. Kind of like, okay. I mean, I don't ever use pyrethrins for fleas anyway, but. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that yeah. would be uh yeah, that definitely is a problem for certain kinds of pests. Um, the other thing is basically applications, uh, to surface water. Um, I think in California, you can't even spray over a puddle. I don't think, um, no. you're following no. the label.
2: Period.
0: You yep. can't apply in the rain. Um, even, even a granular, pyrethroid, um, which is supposed to be watered in, generally speaking, but you're not supposed to apply these products uh, when it's raining or it's advised not to when it, you think it's going to rain, you know, like that day or something. Um, and again, that's that's all related to, you know, runoff of, of water. So, so those are some of the... Uh, some of the restrictions that are out there but again it's all it's all tied to water in one way or another um, in terms of you know the product getting washed off or running off uh, into, into water
1: exactly exactly now really how has how has really these restrictions made pest control difficult i mean you know we've we've said some kind of the challenges but i mean really what's 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 made it really difficult with these restrictions for us
0: well if you get again if you're trying to treat around water um, I guess pyrethroids have always been a little restricted in that regard because they are pretty uh, highly toxic to fish Um, so if you're trying to treat you know boat docks or for spider control then obviously that's uh you know you get a lot of spiders on boat docks however you can't use a pyrethroid in that situation or it's going to be I mean legally you can't do that Um, sewers have been eliminated so you can't treat uh, in sewers Mm-hmm. and you t- you tend to get a lot of uh, cockroaches, typically a lot of American cockroaches a lot of times right. in the Um I had mentioned the uh, occasional invaders um, that are prevalent in some parts of the country where you basically have them covering, you know, the whole side of a house um, in right. certain times where, you know, just large numbers or you're trying to repel them from, you know, that whole side of the house. So those that type of uh, of treatment is is very difficult as well. I remember the first time I ran into that.
2: I walked into a backyard, and it was a callback, and the whole wall, the whole wall, is covered yep. with box elder bugs. And I, oh yeah, my, my first summer in pest control, hadn't seen anything like that. I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah you know, back then and there weren't as many restrictions in the nineties and we were still using organophosphates and I just power yeah. the whole thing down. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. But, well, that yeah. was, that was basically, uh, that, that was the situation in a lot of those cases. So yeah. a lot of times around water, you get mosquitoes. So mosquito control is, is more difficult. Um, yeah. if you've got, you know, water in the area and again, you know, water obviously is conducive to to having mosquito Populations, Um, and and as I said, I mentioned the spiders as well. So there's there's definitely uh, different kinds of of bugs. The other the other issue is any kind of urban environment. You know, if you move away from residential pest control and you get into commercial pest control, you're in an urban environment. You're in you're trying to treat, you know, a typical area to that people would spray down would be the uh, outside you know the back of a a restaurant you have a you've had dumpsters back there and you've got a pad and these areas are you know fly magnets of course and um, and you spray those down and you know that would that would be a common practice well you can't you can't do that anymore you can't you know basically go and just kind of hose down that whole kinda nasty stinky you know fly magnet area behind you know, a typical restaurant. Um, you can get big time crickets in like, for example, here in Texas at certain times of the year uh, coming up soon, you can have cricket explosions, you know, and those would be, they might be covering, you know, concrete areas, you know, in an urban area. And um, you can't put, um, you can't just go and spray down those areas for those. Right types of uh, large invasions or or some of the ants that get out of hand you know the crazy ants or if you guys have Argentine ants um, or if you're in Southern California you do um, you know where you can get large numbers and if they're you know if they're covering concrete areas you can't just go spray those areas so yeah. so a couple questions on here
2: Corey was asking is it illegal to spray on public sidewalks in California I'm sure it is with a pyrethroid Um, and then also illegal use Delta methrin and drains and sewers actually the only thing I know of that's a pyrethroid that's labeled for not a sewer, but a drain and it's for a drain that doesn't go to uh, a water runoff and that is Delta dust, but I haven't looked at that label for a while, so I wouldn't. I you know, always double definitely check. Refer to the label. Yeah,
1: definitely. Just don't yeah, go doing that. Last
2: time I checked, Delta Dust was still labeled to be able to use in a floor drain.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: so yeah, and I,
0: I'm not sure about that. I have not looked at that label uh, recently.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. been. what but I know
0: they. I know they eliminated a lot of uh, drain and sewer type uses
1: mm-hmm.
0: and again mm-hmm. it, it depends exactly. on where it's right. on. Yeah. yeah where that drain is flowing to also
2: yeah, yeah. and the california label is probably different yeah <laughs> where else everything's different here in california Even but your green products sissy you you some of those have a california label and then you have a label for everywhere
0: else you know yeah, that's uh that wasn't by design um
1: <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure it wasn't
0: yeah yeah that that will um that will not always be the case. So, right. yeah. we're, we're basically working through some label inventory. There were a couple of things that California wanted us to change on the uh, on on our label at the time. Mm-hmm. and so we made we made those changes, but we still had a lot of labels printed. Um, and so we basically are currently just kind of managing that inventory in terms of what right. we ship to California. But ultimately right. that will, it'll be the same label everywhere. Um, yeah. But it, it, it wasn't on the, uh, you're referring to the EcoVia products, I'm assuming. Yeah. Or a couple oh, of, of them. And th- those, those changes aren't of any consequence. They're not, no. they're not related to label restrictions at all. Right. No, I was pointing out the fact that even with a exempt,
2: product, California might ask for something different than the rest of the country. Yeah. Yeah,
0: that's that's true. And as an applicator, you have to know because the label may be the same, um, but the restriction is on the applicator. Right. Um, Yeah. yeah, So it's like you may have the national label for a pyrethroid, but as a professional applicator, you're supposed to know these additional rules for California. Yeah. so i'm sure everybody who's not in california is really happy that they don't they're not there
1: yeah, uh, exactly. goodness with that so yeah yeah so,
2: and then sb asked does rockwell sell pesticides yes they do yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. my favorites so <laughs> sure. um, so what are um what are some of our options in these situations where i mean a good example is the the garbage bins you know you got these big bins i remember one time i was doing a um a restaurant or something and i get out to the bin and i i'm looking inside and the whole bottom is covered with maggots lovely yeah that sounds like fun (laughs) yeah it's like it's all moving Uh, and um living that day i used the pyrethroid you know that was yeah. Like years ago.
0: Um, okay, well what I would do in that situation um, mm-hmm. is I would actually use boractin uh, powder which mm-hmm. is our uh, boric acid dust and I would sprinkle that in the dumpster. A lot of people do that just as a proactive measure um, yeah. when they, if they're doing restaurant service when they treat dumpsters they'll put some boractin in there in the bottom. Yeah. It's such a frequent occurrence that you get fly maggots down mm-hmm. there. And so yeah. that's a uh, that, that's a that's a good thing to do in the bottom of a dumpster. Um, as far as spraying the now you could use EcoVia too. Um, EcoVia is definitely EcoVia EC
2: um, yeah. would
0: definitely be hot up. on uh, on maggots. Yeah. Um, the other areas on the outsides of the dumpster um, you could do you could spray EcoVia um, EC if you wanted to do that, um, or even the the three in one actually, but the um, the other option would be a non-pesticide option, which would be um, invade bio cleaner or invade bio foam. You can put that in a power yeah. sprayer or power foamer, and you can basically hose everything down. And what that does is it gets rid of the odor that is really attractive to flies uh, um, ah, and things in the first place. So it's you know it, it's not a pesticide. It's not right. gonna, it doesn't right. kill the flies or whatever, but yeah. it's going to um, it's going to digest the the gunk, the yeah. organic matter yeah. that yeah. Uh, yeah. Is, is stinking, you know that um, that's that's there. So so that those types of situations, uh, those are those are a couple of options that you can uh, that you can use. Speaking of which, we're about halfway through. Look at that, foam <laughs> is still
1: there. Yeah, Yay. Still there. Yay. there we go. Yeah,
0: <laughs> 30 minutes so
1: far. Yeah, that's why
0: we call our foaming agent Outlast. Um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I was still there. Yet. So, yeah,
2: that's the thing. One of the things that impresses me so much about that the aerosol is that, that fo- we've talked about this before, sissy. That foam lasts so long, which gives the actual active um, microbes more time yeah need on that spot they're in.
0: yeah, the microbes need a little time to they need a little time to kind of wake up because they're in a spore form in the uh, in the product. right. Like in the can, they're in a spore, which is a dormant state. Yeah, and then the spores have to wake up and start generating colonies of bacteria to actually yeah. eat the stuff. Right. and and it takes a little time for them to do that. That's why that contact time is uh, is is helpful yes and it has a nice clean
2: scent to it
0: yeah um,
2: and it's not perfumey. it's just right because um, it's natural but when you're doing an outdoor job like what you're talking about um using the foamer simpson and your invade bio is a much better way to do that because the cans are just too small for a big area those are just yeah like, you go like, broke
0: using cans uh... yeah
2: a small area <laughs> um yeah. but yeah absolutely i think that's um i hadn't really thought about that for that that setting you know yeah Um,
0: you can also you can also just spray the invade bio cleaner um i've I've had people put it in a power sprayer literally and hose down yeah Um, we call that poor man's foaming um yeah yeah. (laughs) it's not gonna sit on the surface as long that way is
2: it it's gonna dry a lot faster
0: yeah well it's not gonna you're not going to have as much, you know, like vertical surface contact, um, as right. you get, but it actually, it actually works, uh, works pretty well. Yeah. Uh, well, I and mean, you're trying bad. to cover a large area without spending a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it works. Now there are like pressure washer, like foaming attachments for pressure washers and things. So people have used those with, oh, right. with the foam or the cleaner. Yeah. So there, there's a lot of different ways to, you can put it in a hose end sprayer. Um, mm-hmm. And spray it. You know, if they have a garden hose outlet, you know, back there. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's a lot of a lot of ways you can. The objective is to get microbes on the surface, right? Period. <laughs> you know, however you can yeah. make them. happen. Yeah. 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 yeah.
1: yeah.
2: Right. So here's a lead for you, sissy. Um, SB fumigation in Nigeria is their challenge to get good indoor pesticides in their country. So
0: yeah.
1: <laughs>
2: you might want yeah. to like talk to whoever yeah. does
1: that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. They've, they've been, they've been, we've, we've got a um, pretty large following there while in India and Nigeria as well too. And the, the biggest thing that we always hear from those countries is just the limitations that they have on the materials they're able to get. And um, yeah, they're, they're some of the materials that they're using would just, yeah, would blow your mind. Um, So yeah, sissy, whatever you can do to try to help those folks, I mean, that would just open up a whole new world for them. We've been trying to work with them on Trying to get some training for them and trying to really get them into the integrated pest management way and yeah, it's, not just um, and totally fogging. But I know that there's challenges in those countries, and I know there's especially in Nigeria. There's a lot of restrictions as far as importing stuff into that country. So uh, we can always give you um, um, SB fumigations uh, information and stuff. They actually uh, they've they've got a pretty good company they've got there, and they they actually sell some some materials as well too. So maybe you can yeah try to work with them. We can get that to you. So, so excellent. So, you know, you've kind of talked about it a little bit, but, you know, how really can the, the botanicals, you know, these, these natural materials, you know, how can these really be, you know, put in place, you know, of the, you know, the, the pyrethroids and the neonics, you know, what's really, how can those could be utilized?
0: Well, basically right. you can use, um, did
2: this you want to say something? Um, do you mind, can we talk just a minute about the, the restrictions on neonics?
0: Yeah, the the neonic restrictions, which I'm sure, sure most people are aware of, are related to uh, pollinators. So there are concerns about neonic's and pollinators. And again, right. not yeah. to get into you know whatever how legitimate that is or not or whatever it is, there's a restriction on the on the label of um, of products. So where that affects you is anytime you've got flowering plants, particularly around around the structure or, or anywhere you're treating where they have flowering plants or plants in bloom, um, you're not really supposed to be treating those plants. You're not supposed to treat when pollinators are in the area, but basically you're not supposed to treat flowering plants. So if you're doing turf and ornamental type pest control, um, that, that's definitely an issue. and. Also, if you, I, I know certain types of ants um, treating treating the aphids on the plants is a really good way to get rid of of the uh, of ant populations in certain. I know in Florida and probably with Argentine ants in California because um, they're, they're they're tending aphids, and one of the you know techniques for helping to mitigate these you know kind of super colony ants is to treat you know treat plants. Uh, you know, for aphids, so that they um, they basically are not attracted. But if you've got flowering plants, um, then that's a problem uh, with neonics. So it's a different sort of restriction uh, compared to pyrethroids. But you know, a lot of the products out there are either a neonic or a pyrethroid, or they're a combination of a neonic and a pyrethroid. So yeah. you get both restrictions in that case. Right. Yeah. So it's kind of a double whammy, uh, unfortunately. Yeah. Well you know,
2: um, we're going to get more into it, you know, on the next question, but, uh, you know, me using predominantly botanicals, essential oils, um, EPA exempt products, you know, I'm not, even though I have more freedom, I'm still flowers, you know, I'm going to get down into the root where the bugs are, you know, you're going to get a certain number of bugs on top of that plant. but. Most of your insects are down and they're hidden and they're yeah. undercover, and so I'm taking my wand and I'm going past the flowers, which is on the surface. I'm getting down in there and getting that area treated, so yeah. that I'm not having. I don't have to worry about butterflies, you know, honeybees, any of that other stuff that's going to be up on the surface. You know, I might miss a couple of spiders or something, but. Yeah, You know, who cares? They're beneficial in reality. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right, right. Well, the other thing, yeah, I mean, at, at the end of the day, these are beneficial insects. Um, the other thing is the, um, the botanicals, the Ecovia um, products are gonna be, they are strongly repellent. Yeah. So if you have treated, you know, a flowering plant with it, it's, it's going to tend to repel those pollinators um, because they do work in the vapor phase. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. it, they're you know if it's treated they're they're gonna not really gonna want to go land on that in the first place yeah. so so that's some additional protection I mean if you go spray mm-hmm. a bee directly with an EcoVia product you'll probably kill it you know it's yeah. not I mean they, they are right. insecticides um, but the strong repellency helps and again it doesn't bioaccumulate which is the issue with uh, with some of the synthetics. Um, That that causes more of a concentration, you know, that kind of stays there for a long time and gets into the pollen and everything else. Mm -hmm. Right, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Now, one of the things we haven't talked about with regard to uh, treatment options, again, Ecovia products, you know, by and large can be used, you know, to replace a pyrethroid or in some cases a neonic, depending on the application. Again, they are, you know, spray products that are broad spectrum. EcoVAC is a very broad-spectrum product. Uh, the three-in-one is broad-spectrum, again, a little different label. Um, and, and we have the granules, obviously. We have the WD, which is the wettable powder or dust um, formula. So, so those products can be used very comparably to what you would get with a with a pyrethroid. Um, but other options would be using, um, using baits. And uh, one product that we sometimes don't talk about when we get caught up in green, is uh, Invict Express, Mm -hmm. and this is actually a Neonic, um, but it's a bait, and Mm -hmm. so this product isn't subject to those same types of use restrictions because it's not applied on flowering plant tops, obviously, it's a granule that you're putting on the ground. And um, it is a granular bait, it is registered in California, and it doesn't have any special you know, California use restrictions, and it was, I know we registered it there right when they were starting to put in these neonic restrictions, and they were like, initially like, oh, no, you can't register that here, and I'm like, well, actually, um, what's going on with that argument about, you know, the fact that it's it's a different kind of a, of a product, and in terms of you know the risk, the activity, you know, versus a spray that you know you might be spray, spraying you know directly on the on the plants, mm-hmm. and um, and that product just nukes like ants, crickets. Again, you don't have the hard surface, so you could actually put it on concrete. Um, maybe if you had a you know concrete pad or slab, you know, covered with crickets or something, mm-hmm. um, you, could, you could put that there. Um, generally, we don't recommend putting granular bait on hard surfaces just because you don't want you know dogs to come lick it up.
1: Uh, know,
0: hey. uh, hey. yeah, but if you're in an urban environment, you know that's generally not uh, you know not as much the issue, you know, versus around somebody's house. Yeah. Um, but but those those products are or that that product is going to you know really help in uh, in situations where, you know, you may have restrictions, but, you know, for the target pests that it uh, that it affects. We obviously have Entice 10 perimeter bait, which is a really good combination. It's a good combination with a pyrethroid perimeter treatment, but it's also a good combination with a botanical um, perimeter treatment, and particularly so because the, the Entice 10 gives you 60 to 90 days of residual activity. Mm-hmm. And the residual, what, you know, one of the downsides of botanicals is that they tend to not have as long of a residual activity, mm-hmm. um, which, I mean, they don't accumulate in the environment, and that's a good thing, um, but, you know, the, the flip side of that is that they're not going to uh, to last as long. However, with Entice 10 perimeter bait, you're getting 60 to 90 days of residuals. So, for the pests that you're targeting with, with a bait. You know, it's going to be the bugs that eat bait, right? <laughs> and uh, yep. those... Yeah, uh, that's a huge list. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of bugs that eat bait, uh, fortunately. So yep. so those, um, so the, the Entice 10 granules uh, are going to give you the long residual. Um, the Invict Express is basically the nuclear option um, with regard to uh, <laughs> like, serious... Uh, infestations right. um, you really want them knocked down fast i mean literally they eat it and you know they're on their back in you know 20 minutes basically yeah. um so right. so those are options that you can use it's not um you know it's like all the fun hasn't gone out of pest control at this point um, you can, right. you know, Yeah. Right. Right. so yeah. ryan has a question about any suggestions for gnats
2: not sure what the um the exact setting is could be, you know, inside or out. If it's, he's dealing with gnats or, you know, well, not really gnats, but, you know, you get, sometimes they'll call, your customer will say it's gnats, but you're really dealing with fruit flies or you're dealing with uh, moth flies, you know, drain flies. And then I would say use, use the bio foam, you know, use the invade. Um,
0: yeah, those, the whole, um, if you're talking about gnats as a Indoor, you know, problem in restaurants. I mean, th- those mm-hmm. typically are um, going to be fruit flies, drain flies, or Ford flies, and right. we have whole treatment protocols uh, right. for those. Uh, again, boractin is a really, uh, a really good um, product to use um, for small fly control. Um, and then, as you mentioned, the invade products are very good for the sanitation piece of of the uh, of the puzzle.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, we lost Cully's mic. I don't know where Cully went to. Oh, I'm gonna unmute him. Cully muted himself. We lost Cully. I don't know why. <laughs> did that. That's, all right. <laughs> That's all right. Welcome. Yeah. Here. we can hear him now. <laughs> yeah, he's here. So,
2: in uh, uh, the out- uh, area outside for those for those gnats. I would assume there's a water. There might be some kind of water issue. I don't know. Yeah, uh, it could be. Also, yeah. there's a. Um, Typically in the summer months, I get, I deal with, in a, on hilly areas, um, face flies. Um, they're these little black flies and they just, they buzz around your face and they do yep. bite sometimes. I haven't seen anybody offer a real control method for that. Uh, if it did, I think we'd all be millionaires. Yeah.
0: Yeah,
1: exactly. yeah I
0: mean, you can, you can fog a botanical um, yeah. in, in situations like that and you don't have to be worried about getting near water or ponds or koi ponds right. or something yeah. um, you don't want to fog in put it in the water obviously but you can fog over water and, and up spray up to the edge um, if you are fogging a botanical it's best to really do um, like a ULV like a backpack mist blower um, you oh, want yeah. your droplet size yep. um, with a pyrethroid ah or a pyrethrin, you're typically looking for a much smaller droplet size, but you kinda, you want sort of a heavier wet mist with a botanical um, based on the testing that we've done to get to get the best effect.
2: Yeah, I would, I, that's what I was thinking as well. I love my backpack mr Yeah. And, um, using it with botanicals, I mean, you know, i'm just like thinking how do you do even a mosquito control treatment with a backpack blower with a pyrethroid and follow the restrictions yeah you know um yeah it would be tough in
0: california particularly it would be yes oh yeah Yeah. especially yeah in
2: california whereas when you show the that you know when foster put up that house with the pyrethroid restrictions in other states I can see that being much more feasible, but in California, I don't know how you could do it. Yeah. If I go in do a mosquito control program and I get, I get phenomenal success. I mean, I don't have callbacks. I, you know, um, it's a newer service for me. So I had one job that I had to go back to once because I, I missed an underlying patio, the roof of that, uh, you know, patio cover. Um, but other than that, you know, the rest of the yard was fine, you know, where I used the botanicals. And of course I use botanical on that spot as well. When I came back, I just used my backpack. So yeah.
0: and yeah. You, can, you can spray all of those areas again with, uh, with, mm-hmm. uh, with an Ecovia product. Uh, the Ecovia MT is good, which is specifically for mosquitoes and ticks mm-hmm. if you're just focused on one or both, one or both of those two. Uh, yes and actually that's a good point i'm glad you brought it up because i
2: have a a tick job i just started and typically i use the botanical granules yeah Um, i haven't done a lot of tick work and that was like that's all this guy's concerned about is the ticks you know so i'm a little concerned it's a pretty good sized property and i was thinking later that i think next time i'm gonna go in with that and i'm gonna use my mr blower And he's got a hedge that goes around the perimeter of his yard and that's where the dog he's got a little dog that runs in those edges yep probably where the dog's picking up the ticks probably and so i'm going to actually use my mr blower on that next time yeah
0: yeah the the granules are good to augment those treatments um now the you know granules obviously if you're trying to cover the whole property with granules that's more expensive oh Uh, yeah but what you can do, the one thing granules do do for you with a botanical is they help to give you some longer residual control uh, mm-hmm. versus the yep. spray. So what I usually recommend is that people kind of hit the hot spots uh, with the, the granules, you know, the areas that are going to be the highest likelihood, you know, to be okay. um, hotbeds for mosquitoes or ticks, and to, to put the granules kind of spot treat around those areas. Um, the other thing wow. you could use would be Ecovia WD. Which also, because it has the substrate, um, you know, the powder substrate, you know, it's a wettable powder, that, that also gives you a longer residual. So the WD and the, and the granules provide longer residual with botanicals. So right. you, can, you can go and do spot treatments of, you know, what I call the hot zones or in mosquito, like the wet zone, basically, to mm-hmm. uh, those. And then they will kill um, um, larvae as well. So they're, the botanicals are very, very effective on mosquito larvae. So we've, we've had really good results with that.
2: Yeah. I tell people all the time and I just can't understand why they will not try it sometimes. And that's that my literally bulletproof flea control program is, is the botanical granules. Yep. Yep. I've gone into yards where you power sprayed them and you were covered in fleas nice yeah, all over <laughs> yeah, you. man you go in with uh same yard you go in with the um all you do is walk through and you're getting fleas on you so you know it's going to be super bad yep you go in with the granules and done problem solved no callbacks yeah you know? i had one guy tell me oh well you have to do multiple visits for a flea job I'm like i haven't done multiple visits in 20 years yeah.
0: so do you have a lot of fleas in your area in california
1: yeah, California has yeah. a lot of fleas. Yeah, it has a lot of fleas. Yeah. Okay.
0: Well, that's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. we've got. A I'm lot. always excited when I hear about pestilence, you know, in areas. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. No, but I, you know, it's never a problem for me because I
1: walk in with that and pff, job done. Yeah.
0: You know, yeah. No, that's great. What a yeah. moving,
1: what a thing, so well, excellent. Well, yeah, we're, we're kind of winding down kind of to the end of this Sissy. So really, do you, do you have any other final thoughts here for, for the PMPs in regards to any of this that we've talked today or anything else you want to mention that maybe we didn't pick up here?
0: Um, I think really just kind of to wrap it up, there are <clears throat> there's green options and there's IPM options um, mm-hmm. around pyrethroids and the <clears throat> green and IPM aren't exactly the same thing. As I said, (laughs) you can take an EcoVia EC and you know use it in place of a pyrethroid. (laughs) Excuse me. Um, But it also is good to think from an IPM point of view to think about those alternative tools, like using bait. You know, granular bait like using boractin, like using invade products to get rid of odor, you know, around uh, dumpsters and things. And those are really, truly IPM techniques. Um, In addition, it's not just substituting, okay, instead of spraying a pyrethroid, I'm going to spray a botanical. That's not really what you call IPM. It is a green approach, but it's not really IPM. But really to get the best overall effectiveness in pest control, if you use an IPM approach and look at some of these uh, you know look at the multiple options that are out there you know again including like the Invict Express granules um, which again are not technically green but they're definitely part of an IPM approach and they don't have these types of restrictions that you have on on other things so there's a lot of different tools out there and um, and generally you know frequently using a couple of things if you're thinking about the real situation that you're treating is going to give you the best uh, best outcome yeah right. absolutely yeah make
2: sure you're keeping in mind your um you know exclusion where appropriate right uh, you know trimming um cleaning you know all those things that go along with the with with a good ipm program
0: yeah absolutely so, yep um
2: yeah absolutely so yeah great stuff thank you yeah. so much Tissy.
1: yeah thank you so much sissy for uh for coming on here today i think we've given everybody a lot of uh, good information here. We've had a lot of comments. A lot of people have chimed in here. I've had a lot of people watching. So this has been, I think, a real informative episode for everyone. And we appreciate everybody watching. Mm-hmm. Again, Sissy, really do appreciate your time because I know you're busy. Yeah. Um, and we. was oh,
0: great. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah.
1: yeah. And we, and we certainly do right. appreciate the uh, the support with the sponsorship for this month's episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, this has been great. Glad to, to finally get you to get uh, highlighted here on, uh, on our episodes. So Kali, you got anything else in closing here? Um, not particularly. Uh, Corey
2: had mentioned earlier about honeybees are not indigenous to any part of California. They're not indigenous to any part of the United States. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and actually, we have um, pollinators being carpenter bees, uh, hummingbirds. Um, he pointed out birds. We have lots of solitary bees that... Yeah. Butterflies and moths, all of those are great. Um, and honeybees, or not honeybees, bumblebees. Yep. And actually, bumblebees do a better job pollinating than the honeybees do. Yep. The difference is, bumblebees only have these itty bitty tiny colonies. Oof. So they're not very good to use to, to pollinate crops. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh-huh they brought yeah. over these honeybees is to pollinate crops because yeah. there's so many of them you know what one, yeah. one, one of our first shows we had the beekeeper on and she said yeah. i think it was 10,000 bees per pound or something like something that like yeah yeah some crazy yeah.
1: number that she had and like
2: that's that pretty wild man. yeah one of those boxes has got 30 or 40,000 bees in it ah, um and so that's what you know makes makes it so much easier to to uh get those crops pollinated well so that they get good outcome, you know, more fruit and vegetables from those. So, um, though I do agree with it, the, you know, we can't, um, like we talked about with, like Sissy was pointing out, especially with neonics, um, the restrictions there, whether it's there correctly because the science backs it or doesn't, it doesn't matter there's no, there and we're going to have we need to follow it yeah we, exactly. we need to be leaders in our industry uh by following those and and overcoming yep and that's part of the reason we're here is to try to provide different ways to do that um and just throw out different ideas we don't know everything but yeah. um you know we're able to partner with people like Sissy, who has much more knowledge than we do
1: she does well excellent well cool well on that being said again thanks sissy you stay safe stay healthy i'm sure we will be in touch with you real soon and hopefully we'll be able to see you in person here sooner than later
0: (laughs) sounds great thanks guys thank you for listening to the pest posse stampede podcast make sure to follow this podcast and the pest posse on facebook and linkedin Also, be sure to check out the Pest Posse weekly series on YouTube. Until next time, remember, pest control is an adventure. So get out there and enjoy the adventure with the Pest Posse.